Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Welcome to this bonus Golf Central podcast presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. The driver head was in need of a drastic change in order to provide more performance. So TaylorMade changed the shape altogether with their new Sim Driver, which allowed them to make it fast and forgiving where every golfer needs it in the downswing. The pros love the new shape, but the biggest reason TaylorMade changed the shape was to help make you into a better golfer. Check out TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim Family Lab. This is a special edition because we just got off a conference call with the CEO of the PGA of America, Seth Wall, his counterpart from Europe, Guy Kennings, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, who announced what we've all known for months, it seems like, that the Ryder Cup will be pushed back a year. Give me your thoughts on what you just heard. Yeah, it certainly seemed inevitable that this was going to be the, the final decision that they reached just because it was, it was not a, a suitable option for, for anyone involved. No one wanted a Ryder Cup without fans because a Ryder Cup without fans is really no Ryder Cup at all. You saw that from the players. Roy McIlroy and Brooks Koepka were especially vocal that this wasn't something that they were interested in. Even Steve Stricker and Padraig Carrington, who, who came around to the idea of, of taking one for the team, and playing this without fans, they, they, they certainly weren't uh, gung-ho about the concept of playing it without fans. You couldn't do it without fans. You couldn't do it with this little virtual fan experience that they were initially planning. I don't even think you could really do it uh, with 50% capacity. And with, with this, the cases of the coronavirus spiking all over the country, uh, with a, a segment of the, the fan population going to be coming from, from Europe, it just didn't seem like this was going to happen. And they, they finally pulled the plug today. Right decision. And I think when you kind of read between the lines and look, they, they don't say much in these kind of press conferences, but it was a difficult decision, but a necessary decision, I think is how Seth Wall put it. And you go to the idea. I, I do like the way he sort of walked us back and said that, look, I know the press has been saying this has been canceled now for weeks, but the fact months. is months, the fact is they actually spent a lot of time and it wasn't until they got to that epiphany moment let's call it that they realized that no we can't have any fans on property it's just not going to work no matter what the footprint's going to look like how quickly at least in his mind the way he described it that everyone got on board to the idea that nope it's not going to be a Ryder Cup that look we they tried everything they could to get some sort of fans on property and make this something close to what it would be under normal circumstances and these obviously are not normal circumstances but once they got to that point it seems like that's what ended the discussion. Now, there were some other elements of this that fell into place. I mentioned that Jay Monahan was on the call. Normally, he would not have been on this call. And I think it is telling that the commissioner of the PGA Tour was such a big part of this decision 
because to pull this off, they had to move the President's Cup, which was scheduled for next fall at Quail Hollow to the following year, 2022. And I, I was just on a call earlier this morning with Brad Faxon about something else who was sort of involved in the process back in the early 2000s. And in 2001, obviously the 9-11 tax did essentially the same thing. It forced him to push the Ryder Cup back and forced him to put the President's Cup back. And I asked him to compare what the process was like in 2001 to what it seems like this time around. This time around was so much more difficult. And I don't know 100% why, but it was clear whether if it was the PGA Tour or how the PGA of America wanted to structure it, or maybe it was the European Tour not wanting to fall behind two years. Because let's face it, this is a cash cow for them. They need this as an infusion for their tour to push back Rome, which is now scheduled for 2023, if I'm doing the math right. I'm getting caught up here. But to do that, it was going to hurt them. It seems like it was so much harder to get the moving pieces into place this time, Lab. Yeah, I mean, there certainly seemed like there was unprecedented levels of, of cooperation and coordination that needed. But this is really the theme that we've seen over the past couple months. If there's anything good that has come out of this pandemic, besides Bryson DeChambeau gaining 40 pounds and kind of taking over the PJ Tour, it is this, that all of these good. interested partners and in, 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 in bodies in golf have now been working together, whether it's, it's Jay Monahan and, and Seth Waugh and, and Guy Kinnings and, and uh, uh, Keith Pelley on the, on the European tour. They're all working together to try and have some sort of semblance of a, of a schedule in 2020. And I think that's kind of what we saw on a, on a larger scale in the Hell with the Ryder Cup being pushed back to, to 2021. It wasn't as simple as, as just saying, oh, let's just, let's just move it. There's, there's so many more moving pieces uh, so many more, you know, accommodations that that needed to be made in order to make this happen. It's it's for the benefit of golf, but I can understand why it took two or three months, or even closer to four months, to make this final decision. And and now I think we can look ahead to to 2021 and what should, assuming that the the virus is under control, will just be an absolute jam packed year of of good golf. It really will. And just to put this in context, and Seth Wall did a really good job of explaining this, that it's not a matter of just selling tickets or not selling tickets. Like it's so much more involved in that. And the way he described it to someone, I believe it was an official in Milwaukee that, look, if we're going to do this and have our normal footprint, they essentially had to build Lambeau Field at Whistling Straits in the next two months to make this work. And suddenly you realize what a process this is and why they had to push it forward. Now I know when I finally let you free of this, you're going to go hunt and peck on your keyboard and you're going to type something out about who this hurts and who this helps. I am curious Fill me in without giving it all away because we want readers to go check out your story on golfchannel.com. But give me an idea of who, who it, uh, yeah, Shane's. Who does it hurt and who does it help? Do you want to start with hurt? I think just because we're, we're pessimists by nature. Why don't you start with whoever you like? Uh, all right, let's, let's start with hurts. Um, I, think, I think the obvious one uh, is Tiger, uh, just because it's another year okay. of mileage potentially out of, on a 44-year-old body. Uh, we, we just alluded to it, but, but next year's schedule, you're looking at the players in March, the Masters in April, PGA in May, the U.S. Open in June, the uh, Open Championship in July, the Olympics, if he qualifies for that team and never decides to play two weeks after that. Then you got the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then you're going into the Ryder Cup. That's a lot of uh, high-quality golf uh, in a short period of time. Brendan Todd is another one that, that comes away. He was kind of overlooked last year, despite nearly going three for three in the fall. You can make the case he's playing the best golf of his life. But since he didn't get points in the fall, now he's getting a double whammy of he's so far behind the points. He's going to need to continue to, to you know, win two or three more times uh, um, when this qualifying period is over to kind of crack that top 
12 spot. And I, I think, Rex, you also have to look at some of these um, aging warriors on the European team, whether it's, it's Lee Westwood or Sergio Garcia or uh, My buddy, Lee Westwood or, or, or Poulter. Yeah, your, your buddy, Lee Westwood. I mean, one, one more year is another opportunity for them to kind of slip down the rankings and for some of these, these young up-and-comers on the European tour to, to kind of take their spot. Um, I think that strong European core probably had one more run in them they probably could have put it together at Whistling Straits. I'm, I'm not so confident that they can do that by fall 2021. I think they potentially could have fallen too far behind in the rankings. All right. Let me just take a little bit deeper look into that one. So you're saying that the, the Lee Westwood window has closed, which I think we can probably. He was, he was, going, to be an auto, he was going to be an automatic qualifier. He's going to be an automatic yeah. qualifier for this year's competition. I, and I don't know. I think we put him in a category along with, say, Phil Mickelson on our side, that he is going to be a pick into the foreseeable future until he is obviously done with the Ryder Cup. Or perhaps I'm, you know, we're a little bit off on that. I, I don't know if I'm with you with the Ian Poulter or Sergio Garcia. I'm not sure they've aged out by the time this comes around. I think they still have a window of opportunity. Do, do you but not? Maybe one more. One more. One more. I, I would, sure. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're, they're going to have a handful. No, no, no. All right, so – I don't know if I disagree with any of those, however, as far as hurts for helps. And we, you and I traded emails on this. I actually think it's going to help the Europeans. And my argument is they'll have something closer to a full qualifying process. And the European tour also announced their new qualifying process. You can go into the details on that. The PG of America has not. They're still working out how the U.S. team is going to be picked. But I think if you give the Europeans a 12-month window, I think it's closer to something that they would be used to going into these matches as opposed to if they tried to throw everything together this fall and send out some sort of hodgepodge of players, Lee Westwood or Ian Poulter, who have played or not played or been on one side of the Atlantic and the other side of the Atlantic, that was going to be difficult for them. So I think it helps them in that aspect. I, I, certainly, I certainly see that point. The European Ryder Cup team announced that they're going to freeze their qualifying process until the beginning of, of 2021. So that means any point that's already been – earned will still count and the the points list will resume on january 1st that means that three major championships are not going to count towards the total uh for these players trying to qualify to me that doesn't make any sense at all so i think that's that's one potential drawback and and secondly is the fact that you give those wisconsin fans one more year of pent-up energy and they're going to be even more unhinged than what we saw at hazeltine I mean, they're going to be approaching Beth Page levels of, of absolute mayhem. And, and to me, I think the European team would have wanted this Ryder Cup to go ahead this year with either no fans or limited fans because the, the home course advantage isn't going to be as significant. That's not going to be the case next fall. And I don't know how much I want to read into that, but I have heard it from players, no less, talking about, yes, it would have been a huge advantage for the Europeans going up to Whistling Straits with, with no one on property. And essentially, you're just kind of, playing an empty match. I don't know if I agree with that because I think your Ian Poulters and maybe even your Sergio Garcia's of the world, they feed on the energy, negative or positive, whether if it's a, the home crowd cheering for them or the American crowds jeering and saying nasty things to Ian. I think he feeds on that energy regardless. So I'm not sure I'm 100% firm on, on that update. But I also see how an extra year can help the American team because you've got some young players that you and I have talked quite a bit about, the Victor Hovlins of the world and the Klamour Kawas of the world. I don't know if they would have been legitimate options come this fall. You would have. You would have wore people out on Twitter about how they, they should be picks, and everyone else would have ignored your nonsense. However, I think if you give them another 12-month window, I think you could see a change over the U.S. team next year, and that's kind of cool. I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and look, Morikawa turned pro last summer, and he's already inside the top 20 
uh, in the rankings, but I'm not sure if Steve Stricker would have taken a flyer on a 23-year-old a cup experience in a, in, a, in a Ryder Cup that he absolutely has to win. Uh, I feel confident that if Kyle Morikawa has 14 months to prove himself uh, to Steve Stricker that he's going to be on that team. I think the same could potentially be, be true of Matthew Wolf. We talked about him earlier this week, how well he played in Detroit. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come. And, and some younger guys like uh, Scotty Scheffler or, or Cameron Champ, giving them an opportunity to have a, uh, a more window of opportunity to, to play well and kind of crack that top 15. I think we're eventually going to see a, a phasing out of, of some of these players on the American side who have been stalwarts. And, and this is an opportunity now for those younger guys uh, to, to move in and potentially crack that team by next fall. I, I'm also curious, Rex, how, how you think this would affect guys like, like Jordan Spieth and, and Ricky Fowler. Uh, you know, it's kind of the same situation we had for the President's Cup where they were fringe candidates. Ricky ended up getting the nod because of a, a Brooks WD uh, Spieth was passed over by by Tiger, which was kind of a, a, a vote of uh, confidence in the opposite uh, sense, if if you will. Um, I think if you give those guys one year as well, I like their chances of, of being on the team a whole lot better than it would have been in a couple of months. Yeah, I don't know that I put Ricky in that kind of category. Certainly Jordan. I mean, if you, any more time that Jordan can get to try to figure things out and turn things around and be more consistent. I think we all agree it's probably a good thing, but I'll throw this out for the conspiracy theories. Maybe they just postpone this just to see maybe Patrick Reed plays his way off the team. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Maybe they're hoping that by this time next year, he won't be on the team anymore. I think it actually helps not just Patrick Reed, but, but Bryson as well. And, and we're going to have to see how the next, 12 months ago with this Bryson experiment. If you check out our Monday even, podcast, if you're curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets, if he gets even more zany or, or is, is alienating his, his potential American teammates even more, uh, you know, he had, he had the Brooks uh, tweet, which may or may not have been a, a reference to uh, Bryson's uh, bulking up and, or his, his cameraman confrontation over the weekend in, in Detroit. Look, there's, there's clearly some potential rifts there. You look at Patrick Reed, his rules controversy in the Bahamas threatened to overshadow that U.S. President's Cup team until that stirring Sunday rally. And so those are two guys who I think if you give one more year, if they could just somehow – this is a big somehow – they can somehow stay out of the headlines and kind of ingratiate themselves back in, in Team USA. I think that can be a benefit to uh, the American team. However, it could also go the opposite way, and you could create some, some rifts that are unrepairable. All right, move away from the conspiracy theories, which you totally dove into with a very, very serious tone that I was not expecting from you. So I was a little surprised on that. No, I think, uh, I think, that's, I think that's an important point. I, I, my tongue was firmly planted in cheek, but I'm glad you took it seriously so we could keep moving on that, with that thought process. They're but both, both going to be on the team. They're both going to be on the team, obviously. Maybe. Maybe. I we're mean, top, Patrick Reed has shown that. Well, right now. But again, that's the point. 12 months from now, we have no idea what it's going to look like. But I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, and, and I wanted to point out at the end of the press conference, Seth Wall was asked about are there any guarantees that there's going to be a full house next year? And I thought it was great. The quote was, I would bet on science is what I would say, the ability to figure out vaccines. But frankly, there are no guarantees. And we all know that. It's fluid. I mean, let's say it for the millionth time. But if you had to look inside the crystal ball, what do you think it's going to look like next year? I, I think it's going to be 100% capacity. 100% Done. capacity? Yeah, of wow. Course. I mean, I'm not a betting man, but I might take some odds on that. Look, I, I think I think even more than a vaccine, which you know, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a scientist. I don't know how these things work, but from the reporting that I've read, uh, you know, it's you're 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 hoping that you're going to get a vaccine 
end of this year or early in 2021. I think even more than a vaccine, just having some kind of therapeutics that, that work when you do get sick, that you can cure this, this nasty virus once and for all, I think that would be beneficial. Look, I'm, I'm hoping that we have a regular golf calendar in, in 2021. That's, that's wishful thinking, perhaps, but I think signs are certainly pointing in that direction that it's certainly going to be more normal than this year. Do you, not, do you anticipate something at less than 100% capacity? I would, I would agree that sports are probably going to change forever in terms of, in terms of kind of emphasizing social distancing. Um, I think the, the fan experience will be different because of this pandemic. I would also anticipate we're going to have tens of thousands of people at Whistling Straits. I would like to think so. I mean, the, the optimists in me hope so because I love that event so much and the fans, all of the fans, just the atmosphere, the, what it's become is the best thing in golf, in my opinion. That's no disrespect because I think the Masters is right there along with it. It's one in, one A and one B, in my opinion. However, I don't see 20,000 people crowded in around the first tee. I don't know if we ever see that again, or at least in the near future, because we talk about Every conversation you and I have had over the last three months really has been predicated on, well, as long as there's not a second or third wave in November, the Masters should be fine or this event will be fine. As long as we figured out a vaccine, those asterisks are too big. I, I just can't dismiss it outright. I think Seth is right on this front. That Look, you can't. We, the reason we're doing this is essentially just buying ourselves some time. It was the right thing to do because we couldn't play the Ryder Cup without fans, but we're just buying ourselves 12 months. We may be back in this position, you and I sitting on the same podcast, having the conversation on July 8th next year at this time, simply because we just don't know. Uh, as far as what it's going to look like, and Kaz just brought up a good point, is Tiger Woods going to be on that team next year? Uh, assuming he's healthy, uh, yes. Now, I think gone are the days when he's going to be playing four or five sessions, as we saw at the President's Cup, but as we saw at Royal Melbourne, he can still be awfully effective, uh, even in limited action. So if he's, if he's still upright in this time, after a very long jam-packed schedule, yeah, he's going to be on that team, of course. I think he will. I don't know that he qualifies. I just don't know if he's going to play enough over the next I would, say, I would agree with that. 18 I mean, months. You're going you're gonna to have seven majors, two playoffs, one Olympics, one players championship over the next 13 months. I mean, you're going to have some major reshuffling among those rankings. And that, and that includes Tiger if, if he either doesn't play well or, or takes a little bit of the regular season off. I steered you wrong with the Olympics thing. I'm sorry about that. They, they do yeah. get world ranking points. That was totally Idiot. on me. Yeah, if you check Twitter, he looked foolish because of me, just in case anyone was curious. But you had to own it on that one. So Almost really my hand, Almost well, my hands are clean. I do. I do. I don't know what the etiquette is there. But if I make a mistake, I might as well delete it. What's the use? You, you caught me. I'll just move on. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. We'll be back together on Monday in person, no less, in Columbus, Ohio. As we're both on the road for the first time since the restart. Uh, that was our bonus edition of Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. See you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.